Hello and welcome to this special elections episode of The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and on this episode we're making a departure from our regular weekly programme with a series of daily debates to delve into the local issues at the heart of the election on May the 5th. Council elections are an opportunity to cast a vote about vital services affecting our daily lives. Local authorities oversee the running of schools, they collect council taxes, they organise bin collections and a lot more besides. So why are they often seen as such a poor relation of Holyrood and Westminster elections? Too often, these local votes are overtaken by rehashed debates between the leading parties with an eye on Parliament, not town halls. So we invited our readers and listeners to send their questions to invited councillors and candidates in select local authorities. Derek Healy, the political editor of The Courier, spent time with the four councils in the title's heartland. He started with Dundee before hosting debates for Angus, Perth and Kinross and Fife. We're publishing those over four days before rounding it off with a final fifth debate in Aberdeen. In Angus, there was no shortage of intrigue. The council leader, David Fairweather, declined to take part or even nominate a stand-in, the only leader of the administrations we invited to do so. He was given the empty chair treatment, of course, but Derek was joined, however, by the SNP's Beth Whiteside, Ben Laurie for the Liberal Democrats and Ian Gall for the Conservatives. Derek started by asking the Conservative candidate what the single biggest problem is facing his area right now. Well, we know that the the last five years have uh, probably been the biggest challenge that any council across Scotland and indeed the UK and around the world has faced um, with a pandemic hitting in the middle. And all that caused huge disruption. We are now into the hangover phase of that. And now councils uh, are faced with huge challenges, not just budget cuts, but the aftermath of what the, the pandemic's done locally and to, to local people. What we need to do um, is make sure that we engage, uh, that we talk to anyone possible. We will knock on the door, UK government, Scottish government, anyone that we can get funding from, um, support locally. I'm biased, I'm born, bred in Angus, I live in Angus, and businesses are in Angus. Um, I think it's a brilliant county. There's a huge amount um, of opportunity, but there's also a huge amount of talent already here um, and working incredibly hard. You only have to go to the high streets um, around Angus and you see huge amount of really, really proactive independents working away and, and really doing their huge amount. And they really stepped up um, during the, the uncertain times. Um, but it's really about trying to get that focus on business, trying to get that opportunities anywhere we can um, and trying to drive that home and you know, increase taxpayers, increase um, you know, the prosperity that we can here. You know, we only get something from engaging, from working with each other and um, coming together to try and make um, Angus uh, a better place than it is now. Ben? I would have to say that the biggest problem facing Angus residents, and this is maybe similar for a lot of people across Scotland at the moment, is mental health and well-being. I mean, like for years now, we've had rising mental health conditions. We've had services that are stretched, underfunded, understaffed. Waiting times have been over a year long and people haven't been able to access the range of support that they need. I think now that we've had the pandemic, we've seen these services get even more stretched, but we've seen even more demand for them as well. I work part-time for a mental health charity offering peer support, and I've seen a huge rise anecdotally in people that have never needed help for their mental health before, but are now needing it now. Um, So I think one of the biggest challenges we're facing at the moment is mental health. That's linked to the cost of living crisis now, that's linked to the quality of life people face. 
we need to be improving mental health services, but we also need to be improving the quality of life of our communities as well. And Beth? I think the biggest problem facing our residents is poverty, um, the challenges of the cost of living increases, the challenges um, exacerbated by the austerity policies from Westminster, which the Scottish Government do the, the utmost to um, alleviate, but it's, it's a problem for councils, it's a problem for our um, residents, and we just hope that we can do as much as possible to help um, alleviate that going forward. Um, things that we can do to help include um, improving the standard of housing stock and um, reducing fuel poverty, but that's a huge challenge for councils all across um, the country. And we need to push forward our environmental policies to, to help change the way things happen um, going forward. You know, the, the previous term of the council was marred with controversies. I've actually got some written down here because there's far too many of them for me to remember at the top of my head. Uh, we had Councillor Moore's suspension for inappropriate behaviour, the overthrow of former leader Bob Miles, claims of an unhealthy culture at the top of the administration, and two councillors unmasked as social media trolls. Ben, how damaged do you think Angus Council is in the eyes of the electorate by this succession of spats and scandals? I think there was already quite muddy ground to begin with in terms of trust in politicians. People for years have been less than impressed with the conduct of their politicians um, nationally. And you would hope that at least local politicians, local representatives um, would be a cut above that. And I think some of the behaviour we've seen over the past few years, it goes to reinforce a lot of the views that people have about politics. It puts people off from engaging, you know, what's the point if these are the kind of people that are getting in? And ultimately, it makes our democracy even weaker because it gives people that justification in not taking part. I think what we really need to see now is real leadership, whether that's, you know, down south, we've had a prime minister breaking his own rules and throwing mad ones. Uh, locally, we've got people hiding behind Twitter accounts and trolling the public. Whilst we've got a cost of living crisis and all sorts of unprecedented crisis, I think we really need to see some leadership. I think we need some local candidates who are going to step up, show that leadership, and give local people hope again. Yeah, Ian, you'd be a new member of the council coming in. I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff we're talking about. What do you make of it? I think we're all accountable. And the problem with social media is it becomes a, a front for people that necessarily wouldn't say things to their, to their face. You know, I, I've spoken with people that want to come out and help and leaflet in, but they think there's this real toxicity. And it's, it's not particularly the case. You know, there's some people that will say something really nasty on a, a screen behind a false, um, you know, even no profile that they would never dream of saying anything. They might be the most polite, nice person in the world. Um, but this is what gets, you know, pushed and is what gets um, dragged forward. Um, and we all have a responsibility to bring. You know, this is not one party, two parties. This is across politics as a whole, right across the United Kingdom. There's a, a real... And, Engagement is critical. You, you can't have such a detachment with members of the public. We are there to serve them. We are there to not only ask them what's wrong, but we are ultimately accountable for not only our actions, but trying to work with them. And if they see you know, us as this kind of complete parallel, that there's no similarities and you know, we're in a different world, then the whole system completely breaks down. We can't do our jobs and the public can't be served. Yeah, Beth, how, how damaged do you think Angus Council has been by all this? I think it's been really disappointing, the, the things you've mentioned, and it has damaged the impression that people get of local politics. 
Um, looking forward, I really want to create a different culture and I really hope that we can have a much more grown-up administration um, that is willing to talk to each other, that is willing to work together collaboratively and um, not just amongst the elected members but also amongst um, neighbouring councils because I think we can greatly improve the way things work and um, the, the, the th impressions that people get about local politics. We're elected in order to do the best we can. We're not elected to, to have infighting within parties in the council. So um, let's look forward to a, a more collaborative um, administration. So we had a question coming from one of our readers. This is from Jessica. She says, do you feel it was a correct course of action for none of the Conservative councillors to condemn the behaviour of Derek Wan, aka Lady Whistledown, given he had been involved in the Think Before You Type anti-bullying campaign? Uh, Mina, if I could come to you on that first of all. I'd, um, I, I don't know Derek. I've never met him before. Um, he has a, um, he's owned up to, to what he's done. He's restanding, and it will be up to the, the people of, of uh, Arbroath East to... Um, record whether he's suitable for to stand um, as you know we are all up for election um, that's where I am on that. I'm, I'm really glad to have you here with us today and to be answering questions. Um, your, your party wouldn't put up a single member who's currently on the administration. Is your party ashamed of the record of the administration? I, I think there was short notice I was asked to come in. Um, I uh, can't say why or why not. I, I don't know. I, I've been asked to come along and, and I have. Um, I don't think there's um, ashamed. I think there's lots of things going on with you know people's lives and, and situations right now. And um, but as I say, I don't know, so I can't make assumptions. I'm really grateful to you for coming along. So thank you for doing that. And I, you know, I, I don't think it's fair to ask you to defend the administration and its record because you weren't part of it. So I'm not going to do that today. Um, but people will be interested in your character, um, what you stand in. The material shared by Derek Wan's anonymous Twitter account um, has been described as misogynistic, transphobic. Um, he described Nicola Sturgeon as the Butte House Gollum. He made fun of Dundee's record on drug deaths, and he had a go at areas in Angus as well. Um, is that the kind of person you would want to have as a colleague and representing the people of Angus? Look, Derek, because um, I don't know all the, the things that he posted, um, but obviously um, you've mentioned them. Derek has owned up to it. He has, um, I believe, gone and um, you know got some training, etc. Um, you know, I can't say much more. I don't know Derek. I've never met him. Um, if we are elected, I look forward um, to, to working with him potentially. Uh, if I'm elected as well. Um, but as I say, I, I can't say too much on that because I, I genuinely don't know. Ben, you were one of the people who were targeted by these accounts. Um, do you think it was wrong for Conservatives not to come out and condemn that behaviour? Yeah, you know, we've just heard how um, Councillor Wan owned up, um, but the truth is he only really owned up after he was caught. He tried to deny it at first, and that's just completely in line with the patterns of behaviour we're seeing from Conservative politicians up and down the country. Um, but I do think it's incumbent on Angus Conservative councillors and candidates to denounce this sort of behaviour. Um, I'm actually quite shocked that he's been allowed to run for election again after this sort of behaviour. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's important that we denounce this sort of behaviour. We're very good at calling it out when it's from other parties, um, but we need to hold these standards across the board. And Beth, your party was a particular target as well. Um, these were. I think fair to describe them as anti-SNP troll accounts, two of them, by senior Angus Conservative councillors. Um, what would you make of that? I mean, should, should, the, should the Conservatives have come out and condemned this behaviour directly? 
I definitely think they should have. Um, it's just another a perfect example of the do as I say, not as I do culture. Um, as you say, he was um, outspoken in favour of the anti-bullying campaign and to turn out to be a, an online bully himself is um, beyond belief. I think what's really surprising is the Conservative Party um, approved him as a candidate to stand for election again whilst he's under um, investigation for this. So I think it'll be interesting to see um, how his behaviour changes should he get elected again or, or it'll be interesting to see whether the electorate um, put their trust in him once again. So one of our readers, Graham, wrote in and he asked, do you think Angus is dominated or distracted by the politics of division rather than a genuine desire among all elected members to work together for the best of its citizens? Uh, Beth, I'll come straight back to you on that one if I can. Yeah, I've already um, mentioned that I'd like to see the culture change. I think it has been um, dominated by, um, I think, the, the, the previous administration were um, driven by anti-SNP policies rather than working for the, the good of the people of Angus. Um, I, I, perhaps Ben will be able to confirm this, but I know that people who were um, in the administration at the start, were there was a lot of pressure put on them to vote uh, against the SNP, no matter what the the subject was and one one thing I remember very clearly is putting forward an environmental uh, motion which all members of the administration were whipped to vote against I believe and um, maybe we can get some more information about that but when, when you're trying to do things for the benefit of um, the people of Angus it's very disappointing to be voted against on a purely party political basis and that's not how local politics should work. Ben? I think division has dominated the council over the past few years. There's been a lot of petty bickering in the council chambers. There's been a lot of council business and time taken up by these arguments and very little actual time spent on substance. I think there's been a lot of party political debate on the council and it really doesn't serve local politics well. Um, so I think what I would like to see is a culture shift as Councillor Whiteside has just said. Um, and just a lot less of the national arguments played out at the local level. Um, there does need to be a lot more collaboration on Angus Council for sure. Ian, you'd be a, a fresh face in the Council, is that something you'd, you'd agree with? Absolutely, at, at local level it, you will only go forward if there's engagement. Uh, you know, when I've been out speaking to people, um, you know, they couldn't care what party I'm from, they, they're focused on one particular lady um, was about a road sweeper that, that stops 100 metres up to her lane because the, the kerb stops. And it was an issue that's, you know, it's not life-changing, but it affects her. She has to fill up her bin with leaves or it'll box the gutter. And it's, it's all small things like this that really, really matter, but that we need to engage all together because ultimately we all live in the same county. We will be in the same shops. We will be doing the same things. We will be passing each other. We will know mutual people. This is all very localised. We will come across each other. And if we work together, if we engage with each other, then hopefully, and things won't be perfect, but if we can work together and engage, then there is a much better opportunity of being able to actually provide for the local um, people than, you know, that kind of very stale lines that are drawn and you can't cross them because that ultimately serves nothing. And, and the reality of that is that the population, Angus, all these wards just become more and more detached from politics because you have a wall. I mean, there's, there's a, a chance of a coalition or a minority control here as the outcome of this election. Uh, so I'm interested in how willing each of you would be to work with, you know, with each other party or with independents. Uh, ben, I'll maybe come to you on that first of all, as yeah. somebody who's, who's, just in terms of numbers of who, who's standing, uh, likely to be 
possibly making a, a decision on that, possibly getting involved with other parties who could be on the administration. Where would you stand on that? Okay, so a lot of this will have to be decided following the election when we see what the makeup of the council is, the makeup of the parties, who did get elected and who didn't. And there would need to be a discussion between Liberal Democrat councillors because all our local policies are set locally and between you know, whoever the Lib Dem councillors are at the time. So we would need to have that discussion and see the lay of the land. What I would say is that we are open to working with any voices on the council, any reasonable voices of any party on the council, we are open, open to working with on areas where we disagree and we will constructive, or where we agree and will constructively challenge where we disagree. What I would say is there's been a lot of behaviour over the past few years that isn't the kind of behaviour I'd want to associate myself with and I would need to think very carefully about that before going into any formal coalition agreements this time around. Um, but we are open to working with any reasonable voices on the council. Well, to ask you about that specifically, so I spoke to your party leader Alex Cole Hamilton when he was out campaigning in Angus and uh, he said he would take a very dim view on you forming any or being part of any administration that had Derek Wan on it. So just to go through kind of party by party, the SNP, would you, would you be willing to work with them in an administration? Well I think that depends on what their priorities are and I think any discussion we would have with them would come down to policies because I think those are the important things and if we could find some broad policy agreements um, it might not look like a formal coalition, but we're working to, we're open to supporting anyone on areas where we agree with them. And what about the Conservatives? The cons would, that, would that depend on Derek Wan being involved? The thing is, there's people, there's reasonable people in every party across the country. There's reasonable Tories, there's unreasonable Tories, there's reasonable SNP and there's unreasonable SNP. We would have to see what that Conservative group looks like and what they're proposing. However, given recent experience, that is something that personally I'm feeling fairly averse to. Beth, how do you rate your chances of being the next council leader? I think the SNP are in pole position to, to take control of the administration this time. That's not to say a, a, an overall majority. The STV system is designed not to um, create overall majorities and should promote collaborative working. And um, that's how I see things going forward, um, either a, a formal or an informal coalition. I think my group would be happy to work with anyone with whom we can um, find some common ground and have the same aspirations for Angus. Um, I don't think it'd be any surprise to know that in generally the SNP and the Conservatives don't have very much common ground and wouldn't um, form formal coalitions, but I would be happy to speak to anybody um, who is willing to work uh, collaboratively together on issue by issue basis. I think it would be an interesting idea to have the SNP and the Conservatives possibly having a kind of working arrangement or some kind of an agreement. Um, what about yourself, Ian? I mean, who, who would you see yourself potentially working with uh, well, if it came the, down to it? The election's um, not happened yet, so we have no idea what ha uh, what's going to happen. But the, the bottom line is that the next five years are possibly going to be the most challenging any council has faced. And the idea that we wouldn't speak or, you know, a councillor anywhere wouldn't be willing to speak to somebody else just to find if there's common ground, just to find if there's a, a benefit of coming together, working together for the benefit um, of um, not just people that voted for them, but every single resident, um, to me, seems absolutely bizarre. You know, I work in the business world and you deal with all sorts of people um, and, you know, some people that you don't maybe necessarily want to work together um, with, but if it's for the greater good, if it's for the, the reason of why we're here, you know, we're not here to make groundbreaking worldwide policies and change the lives of the world. You know, we're here to serve local people the best we can. And if we don't take that very first step of offering full engagement 
um, with anyone at the table to begin with and finding where there is common ground, then I, I don't think we should be there. It's really interesting. So it sounds kind of like nothing's been ruled out then. So it'll be, I think, interesting for, for viewers to, to think about. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about council budgets and cost of living. This is something that came up time and time again for people writing in, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, so Mary asks, local government funds have been cut over the past few years. What will you do to ensure our council is properly funded? Um, you know, come back to you on that straight away if that's okay. This is a huge issue. Um, you know, the cost of go the global cost of living is. You know, we see it on, on newspaper. You know, Spain's inflation's at nine point three percent. America's at eight and a half. Across Europe, it's above seven. Uh, you know, we were already on the back of. Uh, you know. Supply and demand issues and inflation from the pandemic, and of course we have a, a horrendous raging war um, in Ukraine, which is only intensified. You know, I know personally from um, business experience that certain inputs have increased 500% over the course of two months um, at the beginning of this year. So I know where that um, sits, and of course this is hitting um, not just businesses, not just domestically. It's hitting absolutely everyone, and not just at small rates. Um, the problem is obviously compounded with the fact that there are budget cuts. Uh, so, you know, there's a real terms budget cut of over £250 million um, across Scotland and, you know, it has to be worked within that. Um, we are in a fortunate position. Angus currently has the, I think, the second lowest um, council tax um, in Scotland and, and within reason that, that has to be protected as much as possible. Councils don't have a huge amount um, of, of sway. You know, we, we rely on what's happening in Westminster and what's happening in Holyrood. And um, we have to work with um, the, the means that we have after that. Um, but, it, but it is serious. You know, when you speak to um, people at the doors, um, concerns, you know, it's not just potholes. It's not just um, coastal erosion, um, which are the, the kind of the topics that, you know, that sits there. And people are worried. You know, it's, it's, it's something that is there across um, all, all sectors, all ages, um, all... Um, you know, d different types of people. The, the reality is there, and the unfortunate reality is it, it will it will get worse. You talked about you know speaking to other people if, if, if there's discussions after the election forming something. I wonder if you're if you're elected, would you be prepared to? Well, let's be honest. Budget cuts are passed on from Westminster or Holyrood, and then it comes down to local councils, and quite often it's councils that have to make the difficult decisions. I wonder if you'd be prepared, be prepared to get together with other parties to go to both Holyrood and to Westminster, speak to your own party and say, we need more money for Angus. Exactly. I mean, we know that the Codwell letter was signed by all 32 council leaders. Um, I, I, and this is, you know, we effectively, um, I certainly think at council level, you're almost fighting for um, the people in, and not just in your ward, um, but people in Angus as a whole, because, uh, you know, your ward is obviously where you are and then the council, the, the wards form the council. So it's a case of fighting your own territory and fighting this council as a whole, because effectively, you know, we have to, to work together to get to that point. Um, but, but we do, we have to beat that drum. We have to voice as much opinion. You know, what we get from it, it doesn't matter, but we have to make sure that we're chapping on every single door. And, you know, if we can get a pound extra, then absolutely, and you know, we certainly wouldn't be afraid to do that um, because you know, right now we, you know, we have to fight. We have to make sure that we have exhausted every option um, and that we can genuinely go to sleep at night knowing that we tried every, every avenue possible um, to be able to raise funds or to try and mitigate as best as we can at council level. You know, you, you have to be realistic. There is, you know, there's a fine line of where we can and where we can't work. Um, but you know, full engagement is absolutely critical, and it's never been more critical um, given the, the context of where we are um, globally um, and after various issues. 
Beth Nicola Sturgeon was here the other, the other week, we're filming this in Dundee, and uh, she's been out in her big yellow campaign bus. I wonder if you've spoken to Nicola Sturgeon or you know the party and told them that Angus needs more money? Well, of course, the, the settlement that local councils get um, is negotiated by COSLA, and there's excuse me, representatives from um, each council administration um, as part of that, and it's uh, it's not a case of me going directly to um, the, the Scottish government. It, it is a negotiated settlement. Um, whether that needs looked at again is is another matter. I think um, what we'll have to do is try and take responsible choices with the funding that we do get. Um, we've got a fixed budget to work with, and I think there's been some irresponsible choices made in the past where we see our um, council reserves being whittled down year on year. And I think we have to try and find imaginative ways to deliver services. It's, it's all very well um, striving for the second lowest council tax in the country, but we need to protect services as well. So it's finding the correct balance between, um, you know, um, if you continue to cut, keep the level very, very low, what happens is you need to make cuts perhaps in support staff in schools, um, welfare benefits section, and these are services that people desperately need. So we need to find the correct balance going forward and we need to try and find ways of um, making the best choices with the money. And some of that will involve community empowerment and giving much more um, decision-making powers to the communities and bringing forward the participatory <coughs> budgeting process so that there is a sense of ownership amongst communities going forward. Just again in that sense of working collaboratively with other parties, um, would you be, be prepared to go back to the Scottish Government and go back to any government and say that we need more money uh, as a group of, of individuals or as a group of parties on the Council? Well, like I say, um, the, the, whoever's um, voted into the administration will have that um, pathway through COSLA to try and negotiate the, the best possible settlement for Angus. Okay, Ben, where, where do you stand on this? Well, you know, council funding comes from the Scottish Government and the Scottish Government has systematically underfunded local government for years, which harms our ability to deliver frontline services. I think that councillors, whilst they don't have direct power over this, they do have a responsibility and a duty to stand up for their communities and to call that out and to lobby the government for a fair settlement. Um, I think there's a dynamic where when you elect SNP councillors, you elect cheerleaders for the Scottish Government who won't hold them to account in the same way. And there's a similar dynamic with Conservative councillors in the UK government as well. They're not willing to show that challenge along partisan lines. So I think by electing Liberal Democrat councillors, um, what you've got are representatives and community champions who will stand up to both the Scottish and the UK governments and demand a fair settlement. If you don't mind, Derek, can I come in on that again? Sure, um, you have to remember that um, the Scottish Government have delivered some amazing initiatives through their um, ring fence funding. And if it wasn't for ring fence funding, the massive expansion of um, early years education wouldn't have happened. Now, the capital investment in all areas in Scotland has allowed councils to be able to deliver 1140 hours of childcare to um, every three-year-old um, and up. And that's a massive achievement. And that's designed to reduce the attainment gap going forward. It's a, it's a strategic policy that will maybe take several years before we see the benefits, but it's a huge help in the meantime to work in families. And without ring fencing funds for initiatives like that, they just wouldn't happen. 
Um, the Scottish Government also have to mitigate many of the austerity policies that we see coming th uh, from Westminster. And if, if they weren't able to do that, we wouldn't have the benefits of the free prescriptions, the free eye tests and site, um, dental checks. We wouldn't have the doubling of the child payment. We wouldn't have um, the bedroom tax mitigation and so on. I could, I could go on and on. Um, we're not here to talk about national policies, but that is the the difficult decisions that have to be made at um, Scottish Government level and that results in the difficult decisions that local councils have to make as well with the limited funding that everybody has. So Declan asks, what are you going to do in the next five years to help with the cost of living crisis? Uh, ben, I'll come to you on that first of all if I can. Okay, well, something that Liberal Democrats are calling for nationwide, first of all, is a windfall tax on the energy giants. Um, we think that whilst people are struggling to pay their fuel bills um, and the energy giants are making huge, unprecedented profits, they should be sharing some of that burden, paying their fair share and helping to ease the burden on the rest of us. Real realistically, though, that's not going to happen in council chambers. No, 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 no. no. As a, a councillor, what would you be looking to do? I'll start from the way and go down more specific. Sure. So I think in terms of there's been a bit of talk about council tax, and I think this is a really interesting thing, because in principle, I do believe that we need a good level of taxes for a good level of services. However, council tax is an awkward one. It doesn't reflect ability to pay. Um, so I think that it should be scrapped. And of course, the SNP government said they would scrap it ages ago. But in the meantime, until that happens, we need to be careful how much we crank that up. I think there is something to be said for trying to keep those tax increases minimal and trying to keep that council tax fairly low because it doesn't reflect ability to pay. And in fact, when you crank that up, it hits everyone equally. Um, so I think keeping service charges low, keeping the taxes reasonably low while still trying to have a moderate increase to pay for our services, I think balance is what it's going to take. Are you? Well, it's really difficult because obviously at council level there are uh, such limited weavers that we have at our disposal. Um, one of the, the main things, I think it's why it's spoken about so much, is council tax because it's the one thing um, that you know, councils have the ability to, to, to change. Um, the problem, uh, and it's a completely tricky one because if your budgets are being cut, then you're trying to look at, you know, where you can save money or try to raise money, all the low-hanging fruit's been picked. So we're at this point of whether do you increase council tax, do you try and trim services? Um, but, you know, we're at this point of you, you start trimming services and then vulnerable people fall through the cracks and then you start creating a huge amount of problems. Um, however, you start lamping council tax up further and further and it's a local tax that people begin to struggle to pay. Um, so it's trying to find that balance, it's trying to understand where uh, the lines can be matched because you know at council level you know we don't have the ability um, to to nationally go after things you know we, we look for direction from you know Westminster Holyrood and we have to implement as best we can with the, the very limited um, you know grounds that we have to play with. Beth, what about yourself? You mentioned that at the start. Um, in terms of. Um what we can do, um, councils are limited in what they can do directly. However, things like free school meals, um, which are being rolled out, we've had problems um, increasing the uptake of free school meals, and that's something we really have to promote. That's soon going to be available to all um, primary school children. And we've got um, programmes in the school holidays where there's 
food and fun initiatives to help um, hard-pressed families make sure that their children are still getting a good meal um, and activities during the school holidays. So these type of initiatives are really vital going forward. Um, we've also got programmes looking at the cost of the school day for families. So things that maybe have happened in the past where families are expected to pay for um, extra materials for cooking, art, music is a, th is, is a thing in the past as much as possible um, and very, very expensive trips. Um, we ha we're looking at things like that to make sure that some children aren't excluded from the opportunities that other uh, families get. Another um, aspect that the council can do is be very, very careful about where they spend their their money. So some community wealth building where as, as much of the spend as possible by the councils is in the local area and that helps protect jobs and uh, income of the residents. And it's something I would definitely like to see increased um, going forward. What's your position on a workplace parking levy in Angus? There's, there's no need for a workplace levy. Um, that um, policy is designed for very um, overcrowded cities. I would I, I would, in my opinion, Edinburgh and Glasgow, there may be areas there where it is a useful policy to reduce the use of cars. In a rural county like Angus, there is no prospect of that being introduced, in my opinion. So if you were the leader of the council after May, you'd absolutely ruling that out? There's no I way would that be ruling that out, absolutely. There's no need for it in Angus. I'll ask you the same, Ian. I mean, uh, it's been a big talking point for your party, Absolutely. workplace parking levy. Uh, would you feel the same way in Angus? Absolutely. Angus is a rural county. Uh, you know, I, um, I'm quite lucky that even though uh, I live in the countryside, I am only three and a half miles away from the train station. But the, the reality is that the, the majority of people do need a car. It's, it's not a luxury. Um, you know, even small villages or whatever that are, are close and they can see the town, they're not within walking distance sustainably. Um, and the, the idea these people don't have, you know, this luxury, it's not a case of um, taking the mick. They need them. It's, it's not sustainable to, to think any otherwise. It, you know, the workplace levy is an absolute no-no. Um, certainly not in Angus. It's, it just it doesn't matter. You know, Glasgow City Council, Angus, they're, they're completely incompatible um, to compare in that way. And, and you, you could never look at that in Angus. Sounds like we're really all, all the way there to not having it. Ben, are you in the same same boat? Yeah, no, that's not something... I don't think anyone in Angus, any party in Angus, is in favour of the workplace parking levy. Liberal Democrats are the same. It's not something we support. I do think, though, we need to be supporting more alternatives to driving in the first place, uh, stronger public transport, investing in active travel infrastructure. Um, but I don't think in Angus the workplace parking levy is something that anyone's seriously considering. You know, on the topic of parking charges, um, you know, during the pandemic, off-street fees have been suspended, and uh, I think on-street parking has been extended to a free hour. I think as well. Um, there was a bit of a controversy previously in the council about that being loss-making. I just wonder if each of you would, you know, state your positions on whether that will continue um, as we come out of the pandemic and and throughout the next term. But first of all, just going to yourself, would you be prepared to commit to that? I don't think the, the parking charges in the Angus was in any way successful. Um, it was introduced in a haphazard manner without collaboration across the council. It was introduced as a, an information paper. Um, it, we weren't given an opportunity to debate. Um, there was no differentiation between the small towns and the large towns, and it caused a lot of um, hurt to people. It caused a lot of problems. and. I don't think there's an argument for reintroducing parking charges in Angus. 
The next question um, comes from Jason, that's on climate. He says that areas like Kirimur, Carnoustie and Monifeith do not have general waste skips, therefore people have to travel. Um, he's concerned about whether those extra carbon emissions are even being taken into account. And he asks, what would your party keep, sorry, would your party keep the same policy of no general waste skips in these areas? You know, if I could come to you first of all on that. It's a difficult one because obviously trying to juggle the budget, trying to juggle um, the, you know, climate climate's so important, recycling so important, um, you know, waste. We need to encourage, I mean, there's never any excuse for fly tipping or anything like that, but um, if you don't have the services convenient to people, then, you know, there is a chance of things, um, you, you know, happening kind of almost um, consequences. Um, you, you know, we will look at every possibility, but there has to be a real realisation about the, the budget that we're, we're fixed with and what we can expand on that. Um, obviously, the deal with Baldovi has, has been a game changer. Um, I think Angus is number one or two in um, Scotland recycling. So, so there is a positive from that. You know, we are in a very good position. But of course, on things like recycling, climate, you, you can always do better. It's not a case of to say that we're number one or two, that's great, we can sit back and rest on our laurels. There's always that thing of, well, can we achieve something else? Can we um, get to the next stage? You know, hopefully other councils are very close and catching up. And um, But we should always be striving to go forward. Um, and it's, it's obviously something um, that if we were in council, um, former administration, we, we would look at, um, you, you know, to try and prove to see where we can make differences. Ben, is this something the Lib Dems could sort out for Jason and people living in those areas? I think it's important to remember that the changes made to the recycling centres made savings that were essential for keeping those centres open. Um, so, you know, in Moneyfeath, for example, we were originally going to lose that centre. These changes were made and it's been a compromise. You know, there's been the loss of the general waste provisions, but we've been able to keep recycling facilities open because of that. Um, not everyone will be happy with that, but compromise is the way we have to go. Um, we now have agreement with Dundee Council that Angus residents can use the uh, centre at Baldovi and at Riverside as well. Um, and we've got good recycling rates to show for it. Angus is one of the best recyclers, recyclers in the country. Um, so the Liberal Democrats aren't proposing any changes to the council's recycling centre policies right now. I'm sure that Jason will be disappointed to hear that. Um, Beth, what was your position on that? I think it was a really good question, actually. Um, f before um, access to the Dundee centres was renegotiated, something which I argued for for, for years, um, residents in Sidlow, Monifeith, Carnoustie were expected to take their um, general waste all the way to Arbroath or Forfar. Now, for Sidlow residents, that was a 40-mile round trip. And we, we do like to promote recycling and recycle as much as we possibly can, but there are some items that just cannot be recycled. So uh, the environmental impact of taking waste on a 40-mile journey, only for it to be taken back to Baldovi for processing ultimately was um, nonsensical. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I do appreciate the, the budget pressures which forced changes to the recycling centres, but um, our group have um, proposed a feasibility study over the last two or three years in our um, alternative budget so that we can um, find out if what the solution we've got just now is the best solution going forward and whether we can do things slightly better. Um, I want to ask you about schools. Um, it's also a really big part of what local councils do. We ran a story last month after a whistleblower described how unqualified support staff are being put in front of classes because of a shortage of teachers 
and staff absences during the pandemic from COVID and other illnesses. Um, we've heard already about the kind of funding difficulties, but what would your party do to improve the situation in our local schools? And Beth, I'll come to you first of all on that, please. I think, one, um, first of all, I have to say that I'm very impressed with the the local schools and the education team at Angus Council. Um, there will always be um, problems occurring when there's a, a high number of staff absences. I think the education team do everything they can to prevent um, any problems occurring and to keep as many um, staff in place as, as they can, and not just qualified teaching staff, but um, sub, um, additional support staff to help every, every child get the best opportunity. I think it's just, again, careful decision-making around council budgets and ensuring that there is um, the required number of teachers where available. There's also sometimes um, problems recruiting in more rural areas. Um, it, it seems to be harder for some areas in Angus to recruit teachers than um, some of the cities, for example. Um, but it's just a case of prioritising um, budgets. How, how do you address that though? It's more difficult to recruit uh, and there are these, these problems with staffing at the moment. How do you, how do you rectify that? It's, it, there's not an easy answer to that. Um, there, there are benefits um, in working in smaller more rural schools and it's a case of promoting those benefits and um, getting the message across that we're a great place to live and work. Um, the cost of living is cheaper in some of the rural areas if people are prepared to move. Um, and it's just selling Angus as a great place to, to live and work. Ben? I think these are national issues. They're probably not particular to Angus, but I do think we need to be having more conversations with staff um, about their working conditions, um, about why we're not retaining staff that we need, and also why we're not uh, attracting more people into the field. Um, so, so I think we need to be improving conditions and making it a more appealing place to work. Um, obviously COVID makes that a lot harder, there's been a lot of absences and that's heightened the issues, um, but I think we need a big national drive on recruitment and retention in terms of teachers and staff, um, and that comes to the Scottish Government. And Jane? It was obviously, you know, difficult council level to, to, to make a change or to, to push that um, for an, as a councillor, uh, but you know we need to have a very optimistic um, approach and, and looking at Angus, making Angus look as desirable as possible, and you know making people maybe in Central Belt or where there are um, potential um, people that we can recruit to actually see Angus as a potential place that they could settle, um, make a career, and uh, you, you know settle life and, and you know enjoy here. But I think it's also important to recognise um, the the brilliant teachers. Uh, and, and staff that we do have in Angus schools, also what they've done the last um, couple of years. Um, I, I don't think we should diminish that at all. Um, but, but this is a much bigger um, picture. This is, uh, you know, about trying to drive this, you know, across Scotland um, and, and, you know, trying to, to make Angus as appealing as possible uh, as some place that, you know, looks appealing. I think that's almost it for today in terms of our time, but um, there is time just to make a final pitch, I think, to voters ahead of May 5th. So, Ian, we're going the opposite direction this time, so if you want to start us off, um, if you could tell us why voters should turn out to vote for you and your party. Uh, well, uh, either ballot post uh, or two weeks today, you'll be asked to make a decision on voting. Uh, I'm asking you to vote for, for me and my party, the Scottish Conservatives, because we want to have a, an optimistic um, approach. Uh, we have huge challenges ahead of us um, that need great amount of experience, understanding, um, and you know, real 
engagement, um, wherever it may be, Scottish government, UK government, um, other you know, councillors, it has to be all collaborative. We have to work together um, and effectively push where we can to try and make Angus as best as we can. It's a brilliant county. It has so much opportunities, but it also has so much talent already here. And we just have to make it um, as best as we can. And, and you know, the ingredients are all there. Um, it's just about pushing forward and doing what we can to, to maximise the, the potential that we see in front of us. Ben? Times are tough. We're years into a pandemic and experiencing a cost of living crisis like one we've not seen for decades. This isn't the time for politics as usual. We need grown-up elected representatives who will work together to protect and enhance our communities. Scotland's not been served well by the Tory SNP duopoly. On one hand, we've had Boris Johnson breaking his own rules and throwing mad ones down south. And on the other hand, we've had 15 years of mismanagement from the SNP government. Closer to home, Angus Council has been a chaotic battleground of petty politics, with bickering in the council chambers, a toxic culture in the administration, and Tory councillors hiding behind fake social media accounts to troll the public. There is an alternative. I'm leading a slate of Lib Dem candidates in Angus who will rise above the noise and deliver wholesome community action in our communities. Angus Lib Dems will work through the reasonable voices of any party to put mental health and well-being at the heart of council decisions, to keep Angus clean and green, and to most importantly, change our political culture to one that serves our communities and allows change. If this sounds good to you, then please vote for the Angus Liberal Democrats. And Beth? Thank you. We've had five years of a coalition of chaos in Angus. It's time for grown-up politics, it's, it's time for an ambitious administration, it's time for aspirational politics, and it's time for um, the SNP vision. We're going to be working for Angus, we're going to be working for the, everybody in Angus, and we are going to collaborate with anybody who has the same um, ambitions. We hope to be working much more closely with our neighbouring councils for the benefit of everybody. If you would like to see some grown-up politics, vote SNP. Well, I'll just make my final pitch to voters, which is that there's lots of candidates running in Angus. We couldn't possibly have all of them on today, um, even if we did make some offers that got declined. Um, I hope you'll take the chance to log on online, check out, see who's standing in your local area, see what they've got to say, and make an informed choice on May 5th. But for now, take care. Thanks for listening to this special edition of The Stushy. The original debates were filmed at DC Thompson head office in Dundee and can be watched in full by going to the Courier website and going to the politics pages. Thanks to Derek Healy for hosting, Stushy producer Morvin McIntyre, the teams in Dundee, and of course to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more, but until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to the Courier, the Press and Journal, and all of our news brands, so that you can be better briefed. The Stushi is the politics podcast from DC Thompson, designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, Westminster and our communities so that you can be better briefed. Don't miss an episode by following The Stushi today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. And if you know folks like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune in or follow Stushi Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And stay even more up to date on local and Scottish news by subscribing to The Courier or Press and Journal, where you can get one month of unlimited access for just £1. Check the episode notes for details and terms.